Football News. Welcome to the Golden Black Radio pregame show as we get you set for Saturday's kickoff. Now here's your host, Kyle Charter. The Boilermakers will continue to try to make a strong September run as they return home to the lights at Ross-Aide Stadium looking for a second straight win. And it would mean a measure of revenge against Syracuse after last season's debacle in New York. Kyle Charter's here, Tom Deanhart as well, Brian Newbert, and Alan Karpik for the Gold and Black Radio pregame show. Tom, the Boilermakers against the Orange under the lights in Ross-Aide Stadium on Saturday. Uh, unfortunately for Purdue... The game against Syracuse last year is one that we remember, but we remember for all the wrong reasons. Uh, to me, man, it ranks up there as one of the the most bizarre and most disappointing losses that Purdue has had. And I know there's been a, at least a little bit of talk this week from the Boilermakers who remain from last year's team, who were part of that, who have to remember the sour taste in their mouth on how that game ended, and we'll take that back into Ross-Ade Stadium on Saturday night. Yeah, you're right. That was brutal, man. Purdue scores with about 51 seconds to go. Looks like game. Looks like game over, right? And all all those penalties ensue. Purdue's kicking off. And what about it? I don't know what about their 10 yard line. It seemed like, and Syracuse, you know, scores that one touchdown with seven seconds to go. Just a heartbreaking, crushing loss. But Purdue obviously rebounded and have a good year. But you're right. That goes down in the annals of uh, all-time most brutal losses by Purdue. And you're right, Kyle. We've asked some of the players this week for their recollections. And, yeah, the guys who were on the team, obviously, still remember. But a new coaching staff, they they, they have no uh, no connection, obviously. So they obviously still want to win, and it'll be a good measuring stick. Uh, I don't know what to expect from from Syracuse, Kyle. We were talking off air. We're both surprised. The Q's, I think, given two and a half points as a road favorite here. I'm not sure what I'm missing here. They, they've beaten Colgate in Western Michigan. So I guess the odds makers have been very impressed with uh, those two opening wins by, uh, by, by the orange. Yeah. That one perplexes me a little bit. Uh, Purdue is a favorite against Fresno. It's an underdog uh, against Syracuse. If Fresno and Syracuse played on a neutral <laughs> field, wouldn't Fresno win? I, I mean, yeah. It's a little confusing to me, I suppose, if you look at it from, from that perspective, maybe though you look at it from a perspective of, Syracuse won last year against Purdue as a returning quarterback on this year's team. So perhaps that weighs into it. And, you know, from a score perspective, uh, it has been impressive for the Orange in the first couple of weeks, though you have to take into account the opponents as well. For Purdue, Tom, an opportunity, uh, you know, to, to come home, uh, sort of validate the victory against Virginia Tech on the road last week and prove that. You are uh, moving in the right direction here early in the season. And maybe, you know, some of the things that went wrong in week one that you corrected to some extent in week two and did other things better in week two, maybe some of those um, those weaknesses, those negatives, you're, you're, you're getting better at masking a little bit here as we go forward. Yeah, I, I, I think that's a good point, Kyle. And the one thing Ryan Walters talked about this week that he was most impressed with was how the teams handled adversity, right? Um, number one, to lose that heartbreaker 39-35 to 35 to Fresno State, sort of let them off the hook. After a game like that, your first as a head coach, your first of the season, you, you hope there's no finger pointing, right? And you have to go on the road. Uh, tough environment at Virginia Tech. You, you blow a 17-0 lead. 
you have to endure a five and a half hour weather delay. Purdue had every reason in the book to, 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 to make an excuse and lose that game, but they found a way to win and, you know, and overcome a lot of punches to the nose along the way. So I think if you're a staff, you have to be, uh, you have to be at least heartened by, uh, by, by that, by that resiliency, I guess. And, and you know what, Kyle, after, and if you'd asked me in early August, if Purdue's one-to-one after the first two games, I would have said, yeah, that sounds about right. But I thought maybe the results would have been different. Here we are game three and underdog or not, Kyle, I, again, the, the, you got to get this, this one, right? You got to get this one. If you're a Purdue, then you got Wisconsin and Illinois. Um, but uh, no, no disrespect to Syracuse. I think this is a team Purdue's got to find a way to beat. They, they had them last year and, and uh, I guess uh, I'm not a believer in the cues at this point. One thing that we have to hope for is not another nine-hour game with the kickoff <laughs> at 7.30 on Saturday night. I I will not still be there uh, at, at 6 o'clock <laughs> Sunday morning watching the waning minutes of Purdue and Syracuse if we get a an overnight weather delay. I don't think that will happen. That was uh, – that was a once in a lifetime. It feels like type event uh, over there in Blacksburg. But man, I think I think Purdue uh, really weathered and to use a bad pun here, weathered the storm uh, a little bit. I mean to 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 sort of give up the lead, the big lead, and yeah. then be able to shut the opponent out in the second half and get the winning score like Purdue did. I don't think Virginia Tech, especially you know offensively, I think that the Hokies have some problems once the 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 receivers went out. I, I don't know if there was a, a lot of skill out there, at least the level of skill that they need in the power five, but that's not to take anything away from Purdue. It, it was a heck of a rebound by Purdue uh, to get that thing back under control after seemingly just giving it all up. Yeah. And I tell you a couple other things um, that they, they improved on from week one to week two, Kyle third downs. Right. And, and that, that was the big storyline coming out of Fresno probably what cost Purdue the game, third downs on both sides of the ball. They couldn't get off the field, and they couldn't convert. And they really flipped the script on that in Blacksburg, which is a big key, obviously, to their success. And I'll tell you another thing. You know, Jeff Brom's teams did a lot of good things, but it seems like discipline was never a real strength. And through two games, at least, it uh, looks like that's, that's, that's not going to be the case with, with these teams under Ryan Walters. Not, not a lot of penalties. Not a lot of silly penalties, Kyle, and no turnovers through the first two games. One of two Big Ten teams with no turnovers, one of only nine in the country without a turnover. So they've really been good with the ball. And as you know, as a longtime football watcher, if you don't give it away, you're always going to have a chance to stay in the game, probably with a good chance to win it too. Purdue getting a little healthier also. Josh Kaltenberger was back last week. I think that helped the Boilermakers on the interior of the offensive line. We saw Garrett Miller, although, you know, just briefly there before uh, the lengthy delay. But you look Mm -hmm. at the depth chart this week and you see Gus Hartwig out there. Now, we probably won't know, um, you know, maybe even until game time. We'll see where he sits on the availability report a couple of hours before kickoff. But nice to see his name on the depth chart at the very least. And another indication perhaps that Purdue's getting a little healthier. Yeah, they're not in bad shape. Uh, I guess I'll be surprised if Gus plays, Kyle. Maybe I'm wrong, but I'm still leaning toward him um, not playing. But maybe I'll be surprised. Um, 
uh, it seems like I, I, I got messaging that we, 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 we may not see Gus till October, but maybe his rehab is going better than, than I'm aware of. So, yeah, we'll certainly keep an eye on number 53 to see if he's uh, coming out and taking snaps uh, here uh, come 730 on Saturday night. But you're right. The offensive line overall, I thought, did a better job. Got a little bit better push in the ground game. And back to the health issue, Kyle, you talked about Garrett Miller, too. Caught his first pass since the Music City Bowl in 2021. Um, limited snaps. I'm not sure if he played after the delay. I got to imagine he's still going to be pretty restricted on his snap count, especially with the way Max Clare is playing. And defensively, too, you know, they're, they're, they're in good shape. There's, there's no real significant key players out. So uh, you have to be happy if you're a Boilermaker coach knowing you have a pretty healthy roster here. Forecast for Saturday coming up. We'll hope for a little bit better here than over in Blacksburg a week ago. Uh, we'll talk to Brian Newbert to get his perspective on the Boilermakers as well. Alan Karpik will come by to talk some Big Ten and historical look at Syracuse. We'll do all that and much more coming up on Gold and Black Radio. Hello. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist Jacob Campbell. The Boilermakers will be playing at home with a kickoff time around 730 if you're planning on tailgating in the afternoon, temperatures will be at 77 by noon and 78 by 3 p.m. We'll have mostly cloudy conditions, but winds will be nice and light. As we near kickoff, there may be a very brief shower or two in the area by 7.30 p.m., but odds are we stay dry. Storm chances increase around 11 p.m., but we're still only looking at about a 20% chance, so most of the area will remain dry. It'll be a good idea to pack rain gear to be on the safe side, especially near the end of the game. If you hear thunder, always go indoors. You can download the Storm Team 18 weather app so you can track the weekend rain and get alerts about rain and lightning. From News 18, I'm Storm Team 18 meteorologist Jacob Campbell. Boiler up, hammer down. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three-stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. It's time to break it down as we go in-depth about Purdue's opponent, Hey, we're very pleased to be joined by Emily Liker, who covers Syracuse for Syracuse.com. Uh, you know she's a good journalist if she came from the University of Missouri, too. So uh, uh, I got a chance to talk with Emily last year when Purdue played out at Syracuse. So, Emily, thanks for joining us. And real quick, give our, give our listeners an idea of what to expect first just from the Syracuse offense on Saturday night. Yeah, thanks for having me, Tom. I mean, this is a Syracuse offense that has run up a like record number of points and yards in these first two contests here of the season. Obviously, they were playing some um, less competitive opponents. They had FCS in-state kind of rival Colgate uh, in week one, which they blew out, had a shutout on the defensive side, which we'll talk about later, I'm sure, mm-hmm. uh, posted over 600 yards of offense in that game. Um, and then last weekend, uh, this past weekend, they beat, uh, Western Michigan 48 to 7. That was another strong offensive showing. I think the big thing right now is that, uh, 
there's a difference from last year in what we're seeing out of the receiving room in that last year's receiving room was very much dominated by Aronde Gadsden, uh, the tight end slash slot wide receiver who kind of broke out in this Purdue game last year. And this year, things have been a lot more spread around. There are a couple younger guys, a couple guys back from injury that are, have really stepped up and excelled. Isaiah Jones, Umari Hatcher, Donovan Brown. And so there's kind of a lot of offensive threats this year instead of just kind of being limited to uh, Aronde and then obviously Sean Tucker in the backfield as running back last year. And then defensively, I know new coordinator there, Rocky Long's been around the block, Emily. What is that? Three, three, five stack defense. Uh, earned his chops at New Mexico for all those years. Kind of give, give Purdue fans a sense of what that defense looks like and how it's looked the first two weeks, too. Yeah, you know, the defense has been really strong. They really didn't miss a step in the switchover from Tony White as defensive coordinator to Rocky Long this season. Um, that's partly because Tony White was actually a protege of Rocky Long, and they were running the 3-3-5 system for the past three years. So the the veterans in this defense already knew this system and now are just getting to perfect it under kind of a master of the craft. Uh, so there's a lot of familiar faces again on defense this year. Marlo Wax, who's an all ACC linebacker, uh, Justin Barron out at safety, Caleb Okachukwu, and Kayvon Darden on the defensive line. So, I mean, they've allowed seven points in two weeks and have scored 14 points of their own. We've had a pick, we've seen a pick six in each of these two games so far. Um, notably this past weekend, Jason Simmons, one of their safeties, had an 84 yard, uh, pick six return, which was probably the most electrifying play of the day. So, Defense has not missed a step. They're one of the top defenses in the country right now, and, and Rocky Long seems to be working out really well as a hire for them. Okay, Emily, kind of give us your idea how you think this game is going to unfold once it kicks off at 7.30 p.m. Eastern time on NBC. Yeah, you know, I think the biggest variable for Syracuse right now, I know I just talked about how they're able to spread the ball around a lot more on offense, but they are potentially missing a, a couple key players. Um, Aronde Gadsden suffered an injury Saturday's game. Uh, he wasn't seeing doctors until Monday afternoon, so Dino Babers didn't have an update Monday morning when we spoke to him on what Aronde's status was going to be. And then there are also three offensive linemen who are in the starting rotation and have been out and Dino said he thinks two of those guys, the I believe it's the starting right guard and the backup left guard, um, he projects that those guys are going to be back but isn't 100% sure yet. So some key injuries on the offense. We're still kind of waiting to see how that shakes out on Saturday. But, you know, th this is a dominant team on both sides of the ball. And, sure, they haven't been challenged yet, but – I think it's going to be another um, kind of back-and-forth game between Syracuse and Purdue. I'm interested to see how the Orange responds just to the environment at Purdue. Obviously, last year came up with a big win on their home turf here in the Dome. Um, it's my understanding the game on Saturday is a sellout or close to it, I think. And so it's going to be a little bit different of an environment. It's the first week they're going to have to worry about the weather. Um, some of the passes we've seen Garrett Schrader pull off might not – 
work if there's uh, some wind or other weather elements going on. So I think that's certainly going to be a test. But I, I expect it to go pretty similarly to, to last year. Um, maybe not be quite so close points-wise, but I think it will be much more back and forth than Syracuse has seen the past two weeks. Yeah, that game last year, you know, each of us ran sitting in the JMA Wireless Dome. That was one of the craziest games I've ever witnessed in something like 42 fourth quarter points. Purdue looked like they had the game at hand. All the penalties ensued, 51 seconds to go. SU drives the length of the field and scores with seven seconds to go. Just just insanity. So, yeah, it's going to be a sellout, Emily. Ross State Stadium sold out. Uh, going to be a lot of excitement for Purdue coming off their win in Blacksburg on, on Saturday. So it ought to be very interesting to see uh, yeah, who wins. And like you, I think it's going to be a toss-up. The odds makers almost have it as a toss-up right now. And uh, it's going to be fun to watch these two teams battle. It should be a very evenly matched game. And uh, yeah, it'll be fun. I mean, I appreciate you stopping by and giving me uh, some of your time today. Of course. Thanks for having me, Tom. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, Industrial and Classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. Whether you are doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. This is the Golden Black Radio pregame show, the most in-depth guide to Saturday's game you'll find, featuring the staff of Golden Black. Let's get Brian Newbert in, get his perspective on the Boilermakers, one and one as Purdue returns home for a trio of games to end this month. Uh, Brian, the Boilermakers got a victory on the road at Virginia Tech last week. It was uh, not a typical victory in a very atypical game, one that lasted forever, had a lengthy five-and-a-half-hour delay. I thought Purdue did a good job, and, and, it, and, and it's talked about this, I think, this week leading into the game against Syracuse of overcoming uh, some adversity. Didn't really always play uh, a perfect football game either yet found ways to win the game in the end. It, it, it feels to me like it could be a, a game in which uh, if Purdue wins some more football games later this year, you could look back on and say 
this was a bit of a defining moment for the Ryan Walters era? Well, I think anytime a team is as new as Purdue is, uh, I think anytime you overcome some difficult circumstances, you know, whether it be competitively, whether it be environmentally, whether it be overcoming injuries, things like that, I, I, I think it's really significant. I think that's how teams grow together. I've never played sports at a high level, but I've covered it for a very long time. And it seems to me like the more a team has to struggle, the more they have to overcome, the more that pays off from a, de a, a developmental perspective. And, you know, make no mistake about this here is that this team is still kind of settling in together here. And this is still kind of a process here. Uh, I, I want to call Purdue a young team. I don't want to call Purdue a rebuilding team necessarily, because I don't think those are hundred percent accurate, um, but they are very new and, the majority of these guys were out there playing, it feels like, you know, weren't on campus eight months ago. And obviously that includes all of the coaches. Yeah. So I think all these guys are kind of are kind of coalescing together here on the fly. And I think for them to have pulled out a win at Virginia Tech under those bizarre circumstances, especially had Purdue just gone down to Virginia Tech and won without all of the ancillary drama i think that in itself would have been pretty impressive but for them to do that and have to sit in the locker room for five and a half hours or walk around the concourse for five and a half hours whatever it might have been you know I, I think that was pretty impressive and now you just want to build on it you just want to keep getting better um i think that's that's the most important thing right now even more than outcomes i know that sounds counterintuitive but you just got to start building on it here you got to start you have to keep getting better. I think Purdue is better against Virginia Tech than they were Fresno State. Uh, I didn't think Purdue was necessarily bad against Fresno State. I also didn't think Virginia Tech was as good as Fresno State. Yeah. That said, you were on the road. You were in a rainstorm. So I think competitively it balanced out a little bit. But I think Purdue can take a lot from that Virginia Tech game into this game against Syracuse, who is very much a peer program, the sort of high major opponent you uh, need to beat uh, or should to you know um, gauge yourself against your, your peers yeah. so to speak and uh um i think purdue will do that but we'll see you know we, we talked last week and a lot going into that game against virginia tech about purdue's offensive identity and what it was and what purdue wanted to be and what it needed to show it seemed like uh that that graham harrell's group took a step forward in that respect that it appeared that you could you could tell some things that they wanted to be able to get done. Yeah, I think they had the ball too, so they could show more offensively than they could against Fresno State when they couldn't stay on the field. Yeah, but I think you saw a lot of you saw a little bit more from an offensive perspective, not only per, in terms of production but in terms of what they want to do. And I think a lot of that was them making some changes during during the uh, during the week, but also just having the ball and having opportunities in different situations to do different things. And I think that what Purdue found was a little bit of a, you know, meat and potatoes sort of element to their offense and not just kind of, kind of big player bust as they were against Fresno state. Yeah. I think, I, th I think getting Max Claire involved um, as kind of a chain mover. And I think getting Abdul Rah Rahman Yassin involved as a really reliable possession type receiver uh, and then playing off the gravity, I'm sure Deion Burks now carries after what he did against Fresno State. 
I think that got them in a rhythm early. And then I think that opened up the running game. And then you saw Tyrone Tracy do some really good things. You saw Devin Mockaby do some really good things. And balance was achieved. And I think as you move forward, I think Hudson Card's going to get better. Uh, I think you're going to get, get some guys back from injury. Garrett Miller uh, being a big one. Um, and I think Purdue, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of all up from here from a, a developmental perspective. That said, you got to stay healthy and you're going to face a lot of good defenses, you know, from here on out. So, um, it might not be a straight line, but I, I think Purdue's going to, going to get better and better offensively as the season, whereas on the offensive line was a lot better in the run game against a lot better Virginia tech than they were against Fresno state, like a whole different line. Yeah. And, you know, uh, having Josh Kaltenberger back, I'm sure it didn't hurt. Uh, I think that, you know, once Gus Hartwig comes back, whenever that might be, I think that I think that's a big one. But um, the guys you have out there, they were a lot better at Virginia Tech in the run game in terms of getting to their blocks and making an impact and things like that. And that was a really positive development. They had room to get better, and they did. They had <laughs> so a lot of room to get better, yes. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Brian. Yep. Let's take a break. We'll come back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. Designing and building since 1968, TNW has changed the way people think about construction. TNW's three stage approach to designing and building is unmatched throughout the construction industry. Learn more about TNW's people, passion, and projects at TWDesignBuild.com. Experience unparalleled comfort, service, and cuisine at the Whitaker Inn. This Midwestern oasis is perfect for a relaxing staycation or weekend getaway. Escape from the ordinary at the Whitaker Inn. What else is going on around the league? Let's take a look. It's the Big Ten Roundup. bring in Alan Carpet to talk a little bit of Big Ten football as we hit week three. Bunch of games on the slate. Alan, let's take a look at uh, five of them on Saturday. Number seven, Penn State traveling to take on Illinois. The Nittany Lions undefeated at 2-0. and The Illini fell at Kansas last week, dropping to 1-1. and Man, the Jayhawks made Illinois looks slow. Either that or the Jayhawks look really, really fast. <laughs> but uh, a little bit concerning, I think, for the Illini. Just not not only – maybe not just losing the game. Possible to lose at Kansas these days, I think. But uh, it was a real eye-opener, I think, for Brett Bielema's crew. And now it will start Big Ten play uh, against a team in Penn State that's sort of just lurking out there in the Big Ten East. Well, they're going to play another great quarterback this week. I mean, Jalen Daniels for for Kansas did make them make Illinois look slow defensively, especially early on. I thought Illinois came back in that game a little bit, showed a little something. But uh, Penn State, in a very different way, uh, Drew Allers living up to expectations. And then some, at least early on, about 78% completions, hasn't thrown a pick yet. Illinois doesn't seem to have the big play, you know, uh, defense, uh, big play secondary, a little defensive line, not the way it's been. I just don't see them hanging in the, you know, I think they're, they are right. They're headed right to sixth place in the big 10 West. I may I could be wrong. Things can change and Purdue could be in that situation, but I, I just think that they're, what I've seen so far, they're not going to be competitive against Penn state. 
Penn State's got too many weapons, but a great, great running game, a good enough, a good defense, certainly, and a quarterback that's on the rise, to say the least. Penn State favored by a little more than two touchdowns in that one. Another noon start down there in Bloomington, the matchup for Indiana against Louisville that it did not cancel last week. That was next year's game. <laughs> uh, the Hoosiers will have to play uh, Jeff Brom and the Cardinals this week. Louisville coming with a 2 and Oh, record Indiana throttled Indiana State last week. The cards are favored by 10 points. Our friend Jake Plummer, uh, Jack Plummer, wow. <laughs> and in, in all his years at Purdue, I never did that. He goes down there to Louisville, and he and he, uh, he gets me messing up his name. Uh, Plummer will take on the Hoosiers. Uh, so some familiar faces in this one down in Bloomington, but, man, you got to feel like Louisville's got the edge. Right, and it's kind of a return. You know, remember Jeff Brown played opened opened his Purdue career at uh, Lucas Oil. He'll get his chance to play there. Uh, obviously, when these teams meet at noon on, uh, I would guess the roof will be open, uh, <laughs> and the weather's supposed to be okay. I believe for Saturday, but you know, I I don't know. You know, uh, Jack Plummer certainly is a guy that can. Can uh, we've seen him play? He's not great, but Louisville seems to fight. Has shown, you know, especially in the Georgia Tech game, a team that knows how to win. Indiana has been good defensively, good enough, I guess. Hard to tell from last week against Indiana State, and maybe Ohio State was kind of still trying to find itself. I think Louisville wins this game because I just don't think Indiana's got enough uh, to do it. Uh, and I think Louisville's got enough experience. And Jeff Brom knows how to win these kind of games. And I expect that they'll they'll win uh, it, You know, with the Lions 10. I think it's going to be right at that, if not a little bit more. All right. Uh, another noon kick is Wisconsin host Georgia Southern. Uh, they're in, in Madison. The Badgers suffering a loss last week, really just not looking – very good, though at a difficult place to play. Yeah, at uh, at Washington State, Wisconsin is favored by by twenty in this one. I know we're projecting ahead a week here, Alan, but there is a little bit of a feeling that this is a Badger team that is is vulnerable. Maybe it won't be this Saturday against Georgia Southern, um, but you know Purdue plays well this week, perhaps you know, on what should be a great atmosphere in Ross 8 on a Friday night. Uh, it can compete uh, against Wisconsin. It has not always done that in the last uh, 20 <laughs> years, but maybe this is a better matchup uh, this week. We'll see how Wisconsin recovers from the loss uh, last week. Yeah, I mean, I think you were in college when uh, Purdue last beat uh, uh, Wisconsin. Not quite. Home. Uh, not quite. 1997, you weren't there quite there yet, but uh, – Ron Dane and, and company ran for a lot of yards in the game, but pretty blew them off the – again, we'll talk about that next week. Now, Wisconsin's got to – maybe uh, Luke Fickle's going to have to commit to that running game a little bit more than he has. Um, and the defense against Wazoo, uh, probably going to get better. I, I think Wisconsin wins that game. I do think Purdue will have a chance against uh, the Badgers and maybe a little bit of depending on how Purdue plays on Saturday night. But Wisconsin will get through this game, and Luke Fickle – uh, I still think that they're going to be at the upper level of the Big Ten West. I don't know that they're great yet. Uh, and I just think Wisconsin's going to have too much to be able to to, to win to, for Georgia Southern to pull up a major upset if they get they beat Wisconsin in Madison. Yes, in college in 97, my freshman year, out of college by the time they beat uh, the Badgers on the road, though I was in the stands for that game. 
uh, a fun victory, obviously. But yeah, that's been a difficult road against Wisconsin to say the least. Minnesota two and zero travels to uh, to number twenty North Carolina. The Tar Heels also two and zero. This could be an interesting game. Uh, UNC favored by a little bit more than a touchdown. Yeah, Minnesota plays uh, slow down offense and 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 plays with defense. Uh, they just can't uh, do a lot. I don't think they can do enough offensively to win this game. Um, you know, Minnesota's trying to find an identity at running back and a quarterback. That's a tough place to be against a team in North Carolina that I think has got, uh, you know, Drake May, one of the best uh, guys in his position. And he's, uh, yeah, they almost lost to App State last week, uh, but they can run the football. And, and I think they'll manage enough points to, to, you know, to be able to control this game enough to beat Minnesota at home. All right, let's uh, talk one more. Number nine, Washington, and a familiar <laughs> face, Michael Penix Jr. will bring his Huskies to East Lansing to take on Michigan State. Both these teams, two and zero. Oh. Washington is favored by sixteen and a half points. Some of that is because of the product on the field. Some of it probably is because of what has happened off the field this week with the Spartans and and Mel Tucker and his suspension. Uh, just some bad decision making there. Um, if you're to believe uh, some of the accusations against Mel Tucker, bad decision making at the very least, and and bad decision making that might cost him his job here. Ultimately, what a mess that has suddenly become for the Spartans. Yeah, I don't know whether they can you know do an us against the world because there's a type of situation just because. It's such a bizarre deal, you know. I mean, I think it's. I think you've got to be reeling a little bit from that, and and I really think that that will cause Michigan State to, and 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 certainly, uh, you know, again, Harlan Bennett, who I think is taking over the reins from Michigan State, and we'll see if he can hold something together. But uh, the quarterback in Michael Penix Jr., if he was playing for. Indiana against Louisville. I'd like uh, the Hoosiers' chances a lot more. He can he can spin it. He's one of the best one of the best numbers in the country right now. And uh, Washington is a team in a loaded pack pack twelve. Of what will be left of it for another year? Uh, they're going to go out of blazing, and I think they'll win. I think they'll win relatively easy in in Sparty Lane. Yeah, Penix numbers eight hundred and fifty nine yards, eight touchdowns, one interception, and that is in two victories. Yeah, for the Huskies, he has been been really, really good. Really, in his two seasons uh, there in the Pacific Northwest. All right, that'll do it for our Big Ten roundup for Week Three. Let's go back in time with a historical look. Here's Alan Karthik. Alice, take a historical view at Purdue and Syracuse. These two teams have played memorable game back in two thousand four. Memorable, especially. For the Boilermakers, maybe not so much for fans of uh, the Orange. A shutout there of Syracuse, last shutout of a Power 5 team by the Boilermakers. Right, and, you know, last year's game was memorable for the wrong reasons for Purdue, but that's a whole – we could do a whole show on that game. Yeah, the 51 Love game back in 2004 – Kyle Orton, you know, had did not have a very good first half in that game, but really got it rolling in the second half. And he was as good 
as anybody in the country. Unfortunately, it was only for the first five games, but it started off with that win against uh, Syracuse, the uh, first and only Sunday game in Ross State Stadium, one of those Labor Day weekend games that uh, Purdue was uh, talked about. And, and remember the Orlando Sentinel had Purdue number one. Now, Purdue was, uh, I think, ranked 25th going into that game and beat uh, beat uh, Syracuse and then of course got up to number five and we don't know we don't have to tell everybody what happened when they got to number five uh, but uh, that was a memorable easy win for Purdue against uh, the Orange I think they were the Orange at that time and uh, Purdue got the job done. Purdue will play this game on September 16th Saturday that's been a, a, a notable date over the years in Purdue history. Yeah, if you look a little deeper, it is. They've only had two big wins on that date. And then uh, September 16th, 1978, you, were, you weren't even quite born yet. But I was in the stands as a college student, and it was hot, like 85 degrees. And Kirk Gibson was the receiver for the Michigan State Spartans in Purdue. And Michigan State was coming off a, a very good season the year before, a one-loss Big Ten season. Purdue was trying to get over the hump under Jim Young and trailed 14 to nothing, I believe, at the half and was off. We're off. Mark Herman played quarterback at the time, ended up being a first-team All-American, played poorly, but the Boilermakers rallied in the second half, went for it on fourth and one at the 33-yard line, and uh, John Macon broke through for a last-minute touchdown. Purdue got the win and really turned it. It was a program turning around game and led it to a 9-2-1 and season under Jim Young in 78. And then, of course, in September 16th, 2017, Purdue whips Missouri 35 to 3. You know, in, in the fact that Drew Locke, if you think about that, you got an NFL quarterback and uh, you, you hold him without a touchdown. I, I think it got a lot of fans' attention. Purdue was an underdog in that game uh, in a very warm day in Columbia, Missouri, but the Boilermakers win easily. But I think it kind of got people's attention after the Louisville game and Jeff Brown's first game, and then you beat Ohio at home, but you got. Game three, you beat Missouri, and all of a sudden you say, wait, I think they've got something here that they're going to be really competitive, and that's what happened in an astounding loss. Remember, Missouri came to Purdue the next year and put 40 points on Purdue. Drew Locke had a great game, and the Boilers lost uh, late in that one, 40 to 37. Purdue should have won that game. They should have won that game and uh, came down to – Play what a play at the end, or no, there was a bad, bad call. Right? Jared, bad call. Jared Spark, what had involved Jared Sparks, right? They called yeah. him out of bounds. He was inbounds. Yeah, and, and and looked at a review, they still missed it, but uh, yeah. uh, one of those deals. So, yes, it's not the, one of the great days in pretty football history, but it is memorable just because of that, uh, especially that game in 1978. It certainly was memorable for me. Thanks, Al. All right. Thanks, Kyle. That's a historical view of Purdue. And Syracuse. Let's take a break. Back with more. This is Golden Black Radio. On the far end of Main Street in downtown Lafayette, you'll find East End Grill, industrial and classic. The restaurant is built like a steakhouse, but handles like a bistro. East End Grill's menu includes creative starters, simple chopped salads, burgers, fresh fish, and steaks, and the signature shrimp and grits. The staff prepares every item from scratch and emphasizes simple meals that incorporate fresh, local, and seasonal ingredients. A warm and inviting dining room features a cozy bar that includes a great selection of craft beer, inspired cocktails, and a robust and expanding wine list. Whatever your entertainment needs are, a cocktail at the bar, dinner with family, or a special event in the private dining room, the energized and attentive staff is here for you. Eastern Grill in downtown Lafayette, welcome to our table. When it comes to land sales, it pays to have experts in your corner. AcrePro Midwest Farm Group is your local farmland specialist. With decades of experience in Indiana agriculture, no one knows the market better. 
Whether you're doing a 1031 exchange or simply buying and selling farmland, your local AcrePro agent will walk the land with you and ensure the deal is done right. Visit AcrePro.com or call 765-775-6502 and talk to your local land expert today. Again, 765-775-6502. At Purdue Federal Credit Union, it's about a relationship. A relationship that goes where you go, wherever you are in life. A relationship that's committed to free financial wellness resources, lower fees, and innovative digital banking solutions. Because we believe in people helping people. Let's build your financial future together. Purdue Federal Credit Union, your trusted financial partner for life. Federally insured by NCUA. Broadcasting from Golden Black World Headquarters, north of Purdue's campus, this is the Golden Black Radio Pregame Show. All right, Tom, let's talk some matchups, Boilermakers and the uh, Orange on Saturday night in, in Ross Aid. Uh, look, I'll say this. If the defense only allows 11 rushing yards. You're going to be in pretty good shape. That was quite an effort by Purdue defensively against Virginia Tech last week. And it seems to me... If you can limit Syracuse to I don't know, about eleven yards, that would be that would be pretty <laughs> radical to do two weeks in a row. But if you can limit them rushing the football and and put the ball in the quarterback's hands, man, you you've got to feel pretty comfortable about what you're doing defensively. I think that's what's the mo of this defense is. Talking to Kevin Kane, the defensive coordinator, at length this week, uh, they 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 want to they want to sell out to stop the run. I mean. As you know, too, Kyle, if you're a defense and you can't stop the run, it's probably game over, right? And Purdue, that, that's why they have that five-man front. They want a hat on a hat up front. And that lets, uh, ideally, the linebacker OC brothers run free to scrape and make a lot of tackles. And, uh, and again, they want their guys up front to beat their, 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 their blocker one-on-one. And we've seen a pretty good rush defense the first two weeks. And that's going to be the same M.O. They want to try to get you in second and long, third and long, and then go get the quarterback. And Garrett Schrader's a bigger guy who's not super mobile. So we saw some great pressure by our Purdue last week, right, Kyle? Uh, Nick, Nick, Nick Scorton, Kadrian Jenkins really looked good. So um, that front is the strength, and it's played like it. One, one, one possible boost for this defense, Kyle, we may see number two, Salim Turner Muhammad a transfer cornerback from Stanford who's yet to suit up. There's a chance he may be on the field. Purdue could certainly use some more quality veteran depth at the cornerback spot. So keep an eye and see if number two, Salim Turner Muhammad, gets on the field on Saturday night. Yeah, that would be big for the Boilermakers. You mentioned those two outside linebackers, Tom Jenkins and Scorton. Man, they were yeah. they were really good. They've been as good as advertised, especially in that victory against Virginia Tech. It seemed like that they were in on a lot of the big plays that Purdue made defensively. Yeah, nine TFLs, three sacks for the Boilers. I think Scorton had three and a half TFLs and a couple sacks. He was a menace, and uh, he's, he's played as good as we thought he was going to play. So and then, and then don't, don't, don't forget about the guys on the interior. I listened to the Brent Pry, the Virginia Tech head coach's press conference after the game, and he remarked how big Purdue is. And those guys, Malik Langham, Isaiah Nichols on the edge, and, and of course, the big nose tackle, Cole Brevard, those are, those are large human beings. And they got depth behind him and not afraid to use as well. So those guys are hard to wedge out. And, again, that's, that's the idea. They got a lot bigger up front. 
to make it hard to run against that that front. And and like I said, that front's played well. The back end, we know the issues there. But uh, the one the one spot back there, though, kind of the cornerbacks, I tell you what, pre would be lost if it didn't have Marquise Wilson and Marquevious Browns, the two transfer cornerbacks are playing a lot of snaps, and they're playing a pretty high-level quality football. But they need a blow here at some point. That's why getting Salim Turner-Muhammad healthy and out there will certainly give those guys some relief. Syracuse plays a little bit of a um, well, unique defense, a 3-3-5. It did give Aiden O'Connell a little bit of issue uh, yeah. last year. What, what does it do that does cause some problems for quarterbacks? Just, just really, you, you don't know who's coming. Um, yeah. It can really morph into a lot of things pre and post snap. And you're right, they played that last year. The coordinator, Tony White, left to go to Nebraska. They hired Rocky Long, who is almost the godfather of a 3-3-5 defense. He's like 73 years old, was the head coach in New Mexico and San Diego State. Just a real icon. So he knows what he's doing. And uh, But you're right, Purdue faced that defense last year. Again, uh, just a unique look that can morph a lot of different ways. And, Kyle, this is a Syracuse staff that's undergone a lot of change. I think there's five new assistant coaches overall, two new coordinators, new offensive coordinator. They they promoted the quarterback's coach, uh, John Beck, to now run the offense. But, again, just a lot of new faces on Dino Baber's staff. And, of course, Dino Babers, you remember, you may remember, 91 to 93 was uh, the Purdue wide receivers coach under Jim Coletto. And, he actually kind of brought a Bowling Green team into Ross Age Stadium in 2015 and beat the Boilermakers. I'm sure you got to write about that game. Oh, yeah. That was a, that was a good <laughs> one. Uh, that was a shocking one, to say the least. Uh, all right, Tom. Uh, 7.30 Saturday night, you will be seven energy drinks in already. You'll be hyped <laughs> up and ready to go. Uh, who do you got in this one? I'm going I, I'm going Boilers 30-28. to 28. Um, I think they may even win by more than that, but I was a little conservative in my in my prediction. I'm, I'm, I'm not buying Syracuse. I think Purdue benefits from being in these these these, these slugfest and the, these dog fights. You find out who you are, Kyle. Syracuse doesn't know what they've got yet, and playing a couple of rummies doesn't do you much good. It allows you to puff your chest out and feel good about yourself, but they haven't faced adversity. Purdue's faced adversity, and I think they're going to benefit from that in this ball game. And again, I, I wouldn't be shocked if they went by a, a larger than a thirty to twenty-eight mar- margin. Yeah, I've got Purdue thirty-four to twenty-seven. I, I'm with you. I'm, I'm not a buyer on Syracuse. Um, I, I just don't see it. I mean, and maybe, maybe I'm uh, I don't know jaded by that game last season that just left a, a sour taste. I think in anybody's mouth who's associated uh, at all with Purdue. But uh, I, I think the Boilermakers get a victory now. We'll say this about Purdue. Purdue has not put together a 60-minute game, really hasn't come close to putting together a 60-minute game, even if you uh, look back at last week's game. They still get the victory, however. I think it's going to take more than that, I think, against Syracuse. You, you can't go out there and play, you know, 30 minutes. Um, Purdue's going to have to put together, you know, three, three-and-a-half good quarters, I think, uh, to, to beat the Orange. So you got to see another step forward out of Purdue. If it does not take another step forward – Syracuse certainly good enough to capitalize on some Purdue mistakes. Uh, we yeah. saw it last year, and the Orange could go get the victory. So I'm uh, I'm not only predicting Purdue. I'm I'm hoping or thinking that maybe the Boilermakers do take another step forward, put together some more good football, and uh, you know take another step forward and get to two and one. Look ahead to that big game 
against Wisconsin. Hey, uh, thank you, Tom, as always. Hey, I always appreciate it, Kyle. Be good, buddy. That'll do it for our podcast for this week. A thanks to our sponsors. As always, if you do like the podcast, please rate us five stars on your favorite podcast app. Leave us a comment as well. All right, that'll do it for our show for Tom Deanhard, Brian Dubert, and Alan Karpik. I'm Kyle Charters. Thanks for listening. This is Gold Black Radio.